0: Welcome to Fusion Student Ministries. We hope this message equips and encourages you. Well, hey, um, before we get into tonight's message, um, am I a little loud to you guys? Do y'all fine? No, I'm good? Okay. Um, I kind of wanted to give you guys a heads up. If it's your first time, boy, did you pick a good night to come. <laughs> if you didn't know, it's the, we are starting a purity series, and that's tonight, and it's going to be all month. Um, but I made everybody a promise last week. I said, number one, I couldn't figure out why people wouldn't want to come to a purity series, especially being seen, you know, in senior high, because that's kind of the most relevant thing you got going on right now. Um, so and then I started to think about it and I said, you know what, maybe it's, it's because uh, it could be weird or it could be awkward. And so I promised everybody last week I wouldn't make it weird or awkward. Cool deal? All right, awesome. Well, before I get into uh, the message, um, the lineup for the series, if you missed it, um, is gonna be this. This week, today, I'm gonna preach a message, obviously, to everybody in general. Um, Next week, I'm gonna be addressing the girls. So ladies, you'll be staying in here. Uh, The guys will be going to another room. I promise I won't make that weird and awkward either. Um, But I want you to know more of the standpoint of like, what should you expect from a man of God? What should you look for um, whenever you're, you're looking at a date or, um, or anything involving the area of purity? Um, and I, again, I'm not gonna make it weird, but I really do feel like the Lord has laid some specific things on my heart for that. And so make sure you guys come out to that. Guys, um, we haven't figured out a spot yet, but you guys will be going to uh, somewhere on campus. I'm not really sure. Uh, just yet, where? But Miss Cassie, uh, Pastor Brandon's wife, is going to be talking to you guys uh, from a lady's perspective on the subject. Cool deal. Cool deal. Cool deal. Cool deal. All right. That's. I just wish I did that the first time. <laughs> All right. Um, the following week, we're going to switch it. So I'm going to talk to the guys, and and Miss Cassie's going to talk to the ladies um, on the same subject. Uh, she's gonna, she's gonna uh, probably have some some gifts for you guys, or not for you guys. I'm sorry, but for you ladies, and um, I'm not gonna have any gifts for you guys. Sorry, I'll give you some fives and maybe I'll bring some skittles or something, but um, we're not gonna get too crazy. So anyway, and then the fourth uh, the fourth week, we're gonna do a Q and A, um, and we're gonna have a panel up here, and I'm still putting the panel together, but um, we'll have I guess four or maybe five people up here. And throughout the month, um, I want you guys to be submitting questions. And you can do it anonymously. You can write your name on the question. It really don't matter to me what you do. Um, but what we'll do is we'll be keeping all these questions as they come in. And we're going to have a meeting. The panel is going to meet up uh, the Sunday before the last Wednesday. And we're just going to discuss the questions. And then we'll get up here and do a little Q&A and maybe we'll have some spontaneous Q&A at the end. How's that sound? Wow. How's that sound? Yeah. Goodness, guys. If you holler and shout and wave a, a handkerchief in here, I won't be mad at you at all. Um, okay, so uh, for the Q&A, text questions. Look at James. James is the man. Purity Series Q&A. Um, Text all your questions about our purity series to 337-240-9169 and text your leaders if you forget the phone number, all right? Okay, who drives in here? Let me see your hands real quick. Okay, got a few drivers in here. All right, Um, who is 15 and you're just getting your permit? Let me see your hands, all right, or maybe that's a 16-year-old thing now. I don't know. Okay, so how many of you think it's a wise decision to wait to learn to drive like right when you get on the interstate in terrible weather? It's probably a terrible idea, right? If you think that's a bad idea, let me spare you, don't do that, all right? Don't get your license, have never ever driven with anyone and then get on the interstate in a rainstorm. It's probably not gonna turn out too well, all right? I think a lot of people take that same thought process when it comes to marriage. They think, hey, marriage conference, I'm single, I don't need to go to that. But that's like, to me, why wouldn't you want to go and learn about marriage from people who have so much wisdom about the subject if that's something that you're going to want one day? Y'all feel me on that? Okay, so with that being said, we have a marriage conference coming up February 10th and 11th. Um, For more information on that, I really want to encourage you guys to turn out for that. Go to flchurch.net. And uh, and check that out. Um, cool deal. Am I forgetting any announcements, guys? Let's see, thanks for that handkerchief wave, man. I think in a little while you'd probably be timid to do that. um any announcements? am I missing anything? I'm terrible with these announcements. okay, all right, so um so as you know, tonight's the purity series, um I'm not really a fan of uh, of having an elephant in the room. y'all ever heard that expression before like is this awkward elephant in the room? So, um, just to get it out of the way, I'm going to be saying sex a lot. So, if you feel like really awkward, or you want to blush, or nudge somebody, or go ahead and just just go ahead and get that out of the way. Yeah, let y'all let y'all get that out. <clears throat> okay, three, two. One. Okay. It's got to be out. All right. Um, So, anyway, tonight I do want to talk and I want to be serious about it. Um, I want to talk about purity and I want to address a few things. I want to address sex. I want to talk about shame. I want to talk about perversion and the overall context of how that stuff's supposed to occur. All right. Um, Now, I don't want you to think this. This is not some checklist topic that I'm preaching because I'm a youth pastor. That's not what this is. I'm not, I'm not preaching this because it's like, oh goodness, purity series time. Once again, like I'm preaching this from conviction and because I think it's a valuable and it's an important message. Um, and I've got a lot of experience, um, not making some wise decisions and then making some wise decisions and then letting God move in that situation. And so, um, it's my heart tonight that I would address those four things, and you guys will walk out with some fresh perspective. Okay, so um, as I was as I was praying about this message, this little phrase came to my mind, and and it's this: purity really does have the power. Uh, it's very powerful, and it has the power to make you or break you. It really does. Um, now, if if anybody in here has has maybe crossed the line, I want to say this on the front end of the message. Um, Hang tight to the end of the message. I don't want you to feel um, shameful or or like you've done something terribly wrong that's irreversible and all of these types of things. I want you to just hold uh, just hold tight with me till the end of the message. Um, But I want to start off with a story, and it's 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 my story I want to tell y'all. And um, I'm not going to get too in depth or any of that stuff. But I want you to know where I'm coming from uh, with this message. So. When I was, I was really young, I started, like a lot of you know, I started working really young, and so I had a lot of older friends who were probably 22, 23 years old, um, all guys um, in the oil field. And I also started competing a lot really young, and so I had some older friends at my gym. And, man, we would always just get into, like, just casual conversation. Well, um, when I was just getting into high school, um and i i think it was right around the time i was just getting into high school um man one of the guys had came up to me and he's like hey man have you have you lost your virginity yet and um man i mean i was i was kind of shocked by the question man he asked me in front of like 10 other dudes and uh my response was just so sincere i said no um no i haven't uh why and so like they all kind of started laughing like oh dude that's the that's the thing, man. You got to hurry up and, and figure that out. You got to hurry up and get rolling on this situation. And so um, my response to him was really sincere, man. I, I said, no, I, I don't, honestly, I, I want to wait till I'm married. Um, I mean, I, I want to do that, but like, I want to wait till I'm married. And so when I said that, man, all those guys, they started laughing and kind of like, are you kidding me, dude? I'm going to give you, and they're saying like, man, we're going to give you a year and you're going to lose your virginity. We'll give you a year. And when they said that, man, like, I was really adamant. And I said, man, no, I'm, I'm serious. Like, I, I don't want to lose my virginity. I want to wait till I'm married. And so they just kept egging me on and ragging me. And so when I left, uh, um, I guess I was riding a bike or something. So I, I left, and I get home, and um, I remember thinking these things. I remember thinking um, that conversation was replaying in my mind, and um, I thought, man, I, I do want a way to be married. That is something that I, that I want. And as I started to, to look back on this, I started to realize I was, I was pure. And regardless of like the conversations I had about sex or the things I may have seen about sex, something in me was still pure and still innocent. And so when I said that, the Bible says that out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so, you know, I have a flesh. And, you know, at that age, I still had a flesh. I still had a desire to do that stuff. But something in me knew. And I I wasn't a Christian, but something in me knew, man, I want to wait till I'm till I'm married for this. But these questions started to just come into my mind. And it was stuff like this. You know, I want to have sex, but I want to wait, too. Is something wrong with me that I want to wait? And I would just ponder these questions for weeks. Um, maybe I'm just being a kid about this whole thing. And maybe those guys are right. Maybe I should just stop acting like a little kid and hook up with this girl or that girl. And so as I would go to school, I would think about this stuff. And, you know, I wanted to fit in with a lot of the guys who are older than me for sure, especially uh, my teammates. And so, man, when I would get in these conversations, I'd really challenge myself with even more questions like, I wonder if I could hook up with a girl if I wanted to. Like, I wonder if that's something I would even be able to do, or what if I'm the last one out of all my friends to do that, or like, man, what if I'm the first one out of all my friends to do that, and this dialogue was just going on and on in my head, and a lot of my friends were having the same dialogue. Well, every time I'd run into them, they'd say, hey, man, did you lose your virginity yet? Hey, man, did you lose your virginity yet? They kept asking me that, and it was like, golly, bro, y'all really want this to happen, huh? And so, um, man, you know what? Like within a year, I, that happened within a year. I lost, I lost my virginity. And, um, you know, on the outside, I portrayed this thing, like I felt accomplished and, um, and like it was worth bragging about. And, and to be honest with you guys, I did. I ran to all those guys, told them about it, ran to my friends, told them about it. Um, you know, I remember making the statement like, man, I, I really I feel like a man now. Like, I really feel like a man now. And um, that was the things I was saying. But this is the stuff that was when, when people are real, they don't. They, people ain't going to really tell you what they were feeling in that in that situation, especially guys, especially around older guys. But I'm going to be real with you. This is what I felt. I felt ashamed. Um, I felt this feeling as though I did something terribly wrong. That I couldn't undo and the example that came to my mind was like let's say I stole something I could I could bring it back if I felt bad or um, I could pay for it or let's say like man I don't know I hit somebody's mailbox when I was driving I mean I could go fix their mailbox you know but I had this feeling like oh my gosh I can't undo this then I felt the responsibility of the of the other person like oh my gosh what have I done and uh, it was just a deep regret you know, and I could tell something was different about me. And, you know, looking back, what it was is that my innocence and my purity were were gone. And um, I wasn't prepared for that. And I'd never had a conversation of purity. I didn't understand what that meant. Um, I knew what sex meant. And I knew uh, that, you know, a lot of people thought it was really cool to lose it really young because I was really asked about it all the time. But the purity aspect uh, just wasn't a reality. And so I would tell myself things like, man, you got to get over it. You got to grow up. This is part of growing up. Man, when when you get to a certain age, you definitely got to be done with all this second guessing type of stuff. And so around my junior year, um, you know, I had embraced that mindset throughout high school that there's nothing wrong with having sex before you're married. And so uh, around my junior year in high school, they had this, this guy and I, I vaguely remember it, but man, he had like, uh, I guess the school had him speak to all the, the juniors and seniors. And he, he was talking about purity looking back. I know that's what he was talking about. And he said this, he said something along the lines of, um, he felt like he got his purity back and I just busted out laughing Like right at this dude, and the guy is just standing there, and he looks at me, and I was like, dude, are you kidding me? Like, dude, you're ridiculous right now, and I kind of started to like make fun of this guy. I remember we were in the gym, and I just started ragging this dude, and man, he kind of walked out, wrapped up his speech, walked out, um, and that was it. There was nothing else significant that had happened there. Now, I got off into college. And um, I kept embracing that lifestyle of just sex out of marriage. And I would make these types of excuses like, well, man, I mean, like we're dating. So, I mean, I love we love each other. I mean, or um, we're two grown people, uh, you know, making some grown up decisions or, uh, you know, it's just a hookup. It's no big deal. And and the problem with that is um, that's not true. It's not just those things. Um, Just because I was dating, it didn't mean that there weren't some some more things, some bigger ramifications going on than something just physical. It's not just phys- physical. You know, sex is, is mental, it's emotional, and most of all, it's spiritual. And I want to talk about some of that tonight. You know, every part of a person's being um, is involved in that. And, um, you know, the norm in society, like it's the normal thing. It's the the usual thing in society is sex out of marriage. Like that's what everybody does unless you're really, I guess, unless you're a Christian and you're pursuing purity. And so, um, you know, I want to, I want to talk about a few lenses that you can look at this through. And I want to start with the one I was looking through. So my lens of what sex was supposed to be was shaped by ungodly opinion. And it led me down an ungodly road. So all these people's opinions of, hey, man, you got to lose your virginity, all this pressure of what social you know, media would say or what music would say, all of this stuff was really pressuring me to make some decisions. And that led me down a road to embrace that lifestyle. And the truth is that that lifestyle, it led me down a road of a lot of heartache that was unnecessary and a lot of pain. And, man, this is a revelation that I got. None of that was ever God's will for my life. It was never God's will for my life. He never intended on me to experience that level of heartache or pain that was attached to these things. And so before we move on to like the healthy lens of sex that I want to talk about, um, I want to talk about two principles, like two concepts um, that it's important for us to address first. All right. Has anybody ever heard of the principle of first mention? No. Kind of. Okay. so the principle of first mention it simply means this. The first lens or perspective that a person is taught about a specific topic is the base measurement that they will use to measure everything else about that topic. Now, I know that sounds really confusing. Um, Let me give you an example. This is an example of the principle of first mention. So there's a kid, I don't know, when do kids learn about colors? Kindergarten, I guess, three. (laughs) So when they three, they got this three-year-old kid and um, he has a teacher or she has a teacher and the teacher tells the kid, the teacher holds up a red crayon and the teacher says, hey look, see this color right here? This is red. And so say red, the kid goes, red, okay, this is red. Here, color with the red crayon so the kid colors and sees, hey, this is a red crayon. This is great. So next thing you know, all school year, this kid's coloring with this red crayon. So the kid leaves, and then somebody tells the kid it's a blue crayon. But the thing is, the kid already believes it's a red crayon. So if you tell that kid that it's a, it's a blue crayon, they're going to measure what you're saying with the first thing they learned. Does that make sense? So what if the kid, what if the teacher held up a red crayon and said, hey, this is a blue crayon, color with it, the kid colors with it, see, that's blue. Now keep in mind, it's really red, but that's blue. So this kid's coloring. When the kid leaves, he's wrong. (laughs) That ain't blue, but the kid believes that's blue. Now, if you come and tell the kid, hey, that's actually a red crayon, they're really going to be hesitant to believe that. And so that's the principle of first first mention and we can take that same approach that's a silly example and it's a simple example but we can take that first approach with sex and so the first thing we learn about sex is how we measure everything else we hear about sex does that make sense so so for me the first thing I learned about sex was to be honest with you guys it was hey don't get pregnant and like don't catch a disease that was the That was what I learned about sex. So everything that I learned in my life up until that point or even for a while after that point, I measured against that. And so when I think about uh, the principle of first mention, I think it's important that we we step back and we got to analyze, hey, what's the first thing that I've learned about this topic? And is it the right thing or is it not? The second principle that I want to talk about is the principle of popular belief. Now, that's a little bit more self-explanatory, but let's stick with the same example with the crayon kid. The principle of popular belief, it says that whatever's most popular is most right. So the principle of popular belief, the, the, the more popular it is, the more true it is, the more right it is. And um, the, the crayon example, let's say the little kid The teacher grabs a red crayon, colors red, says, hey, this is red, hands the kid the red crayon. So the kid's learning that this is red. Now the kid leaves that small school or small classroom, goes to a really big school, and then everybody at this school says, no, that's blue. But the color's still red, but everybody's saying, no, this is blue. Well, the principle of popular belief would say that the kid changes his mind from what's true and what's right to what's false and what's wrong. And that's the principle of popular belief. And we can do that when it comes to sex. And here's the bad part. Um, the, The topic of sex is talked about all the time. I mean, even in my business marketing classes, we had a phrase, many of you've probably heard this phrase before, the phrase is, sex sells. And so we always had to factor in some type of a sexual or sexy dynamic into any marketing or advertisement. So whether it be subliminal things like the color red or um, actual phrases with like innuendos, like making you think in that direction, the more you did that, the more people would remember your marketing and your sales. So it's everywhere. Um, Now, Another problem with the fact that it's everywhere is the principles behind what are the truths or falsities behind sex is more prevalent. And in church, we don't really talk about it too much. Like when I say the word sex, that feeling that you have right now that you really feel kind of awkward or like, oh, my God, hurry up and finish this sermon. You're talking about sex. okay? that's not of God. It's just not, we shouldn't be ashamed of this. So there's three, thing, three lenses we can look at sex through. It's a, either a godly lens, a shameful lens, or a perverted lens. Now I'm gonna talk about um, and teach about the godly lens, but first I wanna address the perverted lens and the shameful lens. Okay, I'm gonna start with the perverted lens that we can look at sex through, okay? That's how we see it. okay. I wanna start by saying this, God created sex and only God creates, God's the only creator, okay? Like Satan can't create a tree, right? God creates trees, God created sex. Satan, he can pervert things and Satan has perverted sex and that's the popular view of sex nowadays. So a perverted lens is a lens that says we can define sex however we wanna define sex um we make ourselves judge over what's right or wrong regarding sex now the perverted lens of sex says this sex before marriage is okay sex with the same sex is okay sex with someone else while being married is okay being married to more than one person at a time is okay and honestly the list goes on and on and it gets crazier and crazier when we decide to become our own judge and jury and define purity and sex on our terms. Any version other than God's version is a different version or a perversion. So that's where the word perversion actually means the changing or alteration of something from its original course, meaning, or state to a distortion or corruption of what was first. A lot of people think perversion means sexual perversion. Well, there is sexual perversion, but perversion actually means a different version from the original. And so that's perverted lens of sex. The shameful lens of sex says this. Something's wrong with you if you want to have sex. Sex is dirty and you should be disgusted to even talk about it. That's shame. If you have a sex drive, you're sinful and God is unhappy with you. Or if you have a sex drive, you're perverted. <laughs> that's shame. And a lot of shaming is in response to wanting to scare or shame people into not having sex and staying pure. That's, that's often the motive behind it. The problem is this. You can't shame people into purity and have it have a healthy long-term effect. Because shame gets carried over into marriage. And because of this shaming lens or this shameful lens, and and guys, not not this church, church in general, in the in the vast body, shames sex in an attempt to push you away from sex. Even if the heart's right, the end result's always not the best. Many people have been shamed into purity and have been ashamed to have sex with their husband or their wives once they get married. It's true. I, I counsel people like that sometimes, and um. If, you know, they feel ashamed or dirty. And if you think that's crazy or ridiculous, let me sober you with this. It's more common than you think. And here's the sobering truth. When we don't have the right lens about sex and purity, it will either cause us to carry shame into a marriage or have sex and lose our purity before marriage. So Chris Vallotton, uh he summed up the premise of the rest of what I want to talk about with this quote. He said, religion Shames sex, the world perverts sex, but God celebrates it in context. I'm gonna read that again. Religion shames sex, the world perverts sex, but God celebrates it. God created sex. So then that leaves us with the question what's true and who's right on the subject? So there's a lot of opinions about it out there, there's a lot of ways we can look at it, a lot of lenses. What's true and who's right? Well, I believe the answer to that is God's word is true and God is right. And look at 2 Timothy 3.16 with me. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So let's look at the godly lens or his version instead of the perversion of the shame. In Genesis chapter one, it starts like this. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So guess what? What do you think happened? Uh, what do you think be fruitful and multiply means have sex. So God made it. Um, how many of you know this? God, when He speaks, He creates. So an example would be like in Genesis one three. It says He says, "Let there be light." Guess what happened? Light. Right? Psalm thirty three nine. It says He spoke and it came to be. It says He spoke the earth into existence. It didn't say He went and built it. It says He spoke it into existence. So. Whenever he said, be fruitful and multiply, a sex drive, that's, that means you want to have sex, that entered a guy and a girl. Um, the desire to have sex, like I just want to make sure I hammer this home, God put that there, okay? So not to be shamed of it, not to, not to pervert it. Not only did God give us a sex drive, he also gave us another desire. Check this out in Genesis 2, 18, it says, the Lord God said, it is not good For the man to be alone, I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock and the birds of the air and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. You're welcome, ladies. Then the Lord God, just kidding. Then the Lord God made woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. I want you to notice something in verse 18. God addressed an issue going on in Adam's life. In verse 18, he addressed an issue. And he repeats it later on. So in the next verse, we see that, that God goes, he says, hey, it's not good for man to be alone. God formed all these animals. So God made all this stuff. So hey, uh, Adam's you know, alone. That's not a good thing. So how many of you have like a dog or a cat? Okay. I love dogs. I hate cats. But if you like cats, it's okay. Um, I love my dog. My dog is so excited to see me whenever she sees me. I mean, we best buddies, right? So this is before the fall. A lot of theologians believe that, man, like before sin entered the world, you could go walk by a lion or swim by a shark and be totally cool. Like some even think that animals talked during the fall. I don't know if that's true or not, but some, some theologians believe that. Um, so, man, you think about this, like, and then God said you could name them all. There's a lot of animals here. I'm pretty sure that wasn't a day's job. I'm pretty sure like it took him a little while to name these animals. He got to try to hang out with every single thing in the world. And we see it still didn't work out. In verse 20, the issue is still there. God says, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So when God said it's not good for man to be alone, he acknowledged a need and a desire for companionship. So we got two things going on here. God created a sex drive, and he acknowledged companionship. Now, not only did he do that, he created a context for both. And this is the context for both. In Genesis 1, 24 and 25, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and will be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. Guess how that happens? Sex. Okay. When you walk out of here, you're not going to be ashamed of that word. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame, and they felt no shame. See, sex through God's lens is a healthy marriage, and I want to just tell this story. It's kind of a common story, um, but it talks about context and the importance of context and keeping the right things in the right places. If you've heard it before, sit under it again. If you haven't, it's pretty good. All right, how many of you like fire? Like, I like fire. Okay. Okay. Some people are like, "I don't like fire. <laughs> All right, well, act like you like fire for this story. All right, so you you like fire well, a lot of a lot of people will just kind of chill and they watch a fire It's kind of mesmerizing and stuff. Well, imagine like a fire in a fireplace, and you're just chilling, watching the fire in the fireplace. It's keeping you warm, you're maybe you're snuggled up to your husband or wife, and then so you're watching this fire. And uh, all of a sudden, a fire jumps out, and it goes on the wooden floor, and it burns your house down. It's terrible, right? Okay, that's the same with, with, that's exactly the same with sex out of marriage. It's terrible. It'll burn your house down, all right? That's why God creates a context for that stuff. That's why God creates a context for that stuff. Hey, look. Sex, out of, sex in marriage, this is some of the things. It's not an exhaustive list, but these are some of the things that marriage provides, that sex in marriage provides. Intimacy, security, safety, romance, covering, stability, companionship, trust, a feeling of being valued, and there's more to that. Here's the, here's the catch, though. Sex out of marriage... Here's what it causes. Insecurity. It's the opposite of everything. Lust. It's it's not real love. It's lust. And that falls short. Uncovering or feeling exposed. Unstability, especially emotionally. Trust issues. It causes trust issues. A loss of self-worth and self-respect. Broken hearts and hard-heartedness. And the Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that... your heart controls the issues of your life. So when you have a broken heart and a hard heart, it really affects the rest of your life. And here's the catch. God never intended for anybody to experience any of those things. His intent was the first list, not the second one. Satan's lens of shame or his lens of perversion is what gets you the second list. And so, you know, I want to close with a follow-up story uh, from earlier. And um, and as I close and tell the story, I want to have you guys stand. I know this is probably really an awkward time to stand after a conversation like this, but muster through it, man. Um, you know, when I got saved, a lot of you guys have heard my story before. and um, And man, there was three things, and I won't get into all three, but there were three things that, look, I was an atheist before I got saved. I was always on drugs, drinking, sleeping around, those types of things. And uh it was my lifestyle, man, since I was a young kid. And um I didn't believe in God. And there were three things that like happened instantaneously while I was praying and it like like caught my attention. Like it was enough for me to never question the existence of God ever again. Like rattled me. And one of those three things was as I was, my eyes were closed and Pastor Todd was praying for me, one of those things was I was taken back to um, that time, I was 13 or 14 years old and I had that first conversation with, uh, with one of those guys at the gym and I remembered my response so vividly, y'all, so vividly and I don't know why but it was supernatural, man. I felt the sincerity in my heart whenever I I told those guys I want to wait till I'm married and I remember feeling the feeling of why can't they understand that I don't I don't get it what happened was God reminded me of what innocence and purity felt like and it's a supernatural thing now so he reminded me of what innocence and purity felt like in that moment and and just I mean and this happened so fast and I felt like I had the desire. I was overcome with a few emotions in this, at this moment. This happened all as I was in the front row. God is my witness. Um, I, I was overcome with regret because I had, for the first time, I had a revelation of what purity was. And I, I sincerely was sorry. Like I was like, my goodness, I can't believe that I didn't hold firm to that. And I was truly repentant in my heart. I'd never really experienced what repentance was. I never was sorry for anything I did. And um, but that that was—I was so sorry. And I remember, like, I was taken back in my mind to being in that conversation with those guys. And it's like I remember having the desire. Golly, I wish I could go back and tell myself that there's more to this. It's not just a physical thing. Look at the heartache I've dealt with because of this stuff, man. I've, I so regret this. And in that moment, here's the catch. Here's one of the three things that happened to me. I felt pure again. For the first time in my life, I felt like, oh my gosh, I understand what that was. I'm really sorry. God, I'd do anything to undo what I've done. What was happening was true repentance entered my heart and true healing entered my life. But here's the catch. I didn't go around saying something like, you know it never happened or anything like that the things still happened i mean I, I still physically had sex before i got saved but god he didn't rewrite history he healed it he didn't rewrite my history it was still done but he healed it and i can't i can't tell you how exactly that happened but i'm i can tell you with with as much conviction that i know how to muster up he did it for me and he can do it for anybody else in here who's crossed that line of purity. Listen, God is not just in the miracles of healing with, with sickness. He don't just heal physically. He does, but he, he does more than that. He'll heal emotionally. He can heal all broken heart. He can heal anything, and he can heal purity too. And um, b- before I continue to go on, you know what else is a funny thing about that? The very next thing that hit my mind was a vivid picture of the time I ridiculed that guy when he came in the senior and junior class and said, man, I feel like I got my purity back. I instantly remember, it's like the Lord reminded me, this is what that was about. And so what I want you guys to do is I want you to think about this phrase. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to bow your heads But I really want you to close your eyes And I really want you to bow your heads I don't want you to be looking around I don't want anybody seeing each other Because I'm fixing to say some things um, That I really, really want you to reflect on There's not a person in this room Who shouldn't have their eyes closed And their heads bowed Because of the gravity of what I'm fixing to tell you The first thing I want to tell you is Purity has the power to make or break you It really does This is not some scare you straight message. I'm being serious. The second thing I wanna tell you is I wanna talk to the ones who maybe you've not crossed the line of purity yet. Maybe you are still in that state of innocence and purity. I wanna tell you this, and I'm gonna read your scripture. Don't open your eyes, just receive this. 1 Corinthians 10 says, so if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man, and God is faithful; He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, He will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Listen, staying pure and waiting to have sex until you're married is not an easy task. Don't allow pride to sink into your heart and think that you're above temptation. Nobody is. And said, "I need you to remember this, and this is for everybody. Only by God's grace." Number one. Number two, putting firm boundaries in place. Number three, having accountability in your life. That's the only way you're going to stay pure until you're married. God's grace, acknowledging that you need his grace, setting firm boundaries and being disciplined in that, and having accountability and being open to someone that you trust. Now, eyes still closed, heads still bowed. For those of you who have crossed the line of purity, maybe you did make a decision that you regret, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and he will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So God will forgive you and he can heal your heart and purify you. Now I want you to just sit in that for just a few more moments. Purity can make you or break you. If you haven't lost your purity yet, don't think that you've achieved something that others haven't. That's called pride and you can fall. Stay humble. The last, lastly, if you've crossed that line of purity, don't believe the lie. Listen, you can't undo history. God won't rewrite it, but he'll, he will heal it. Now you can open your eyes. Earlier I mentioned two principles. The principle of first mention, Which we said is the first thing that you hear, you're going to measure everything up to it. And then the principle of popular belief, which is saying, hey, what the crowd believes is what I'm going to believe because it's more popular. And I think that makes it more true. Right. And we said that that's not right. Here's the catch. When we accept something into our heart as true, we have to denounce it and reject it in order to have a new foundational belief. In other words, we got to we got to say hey, you know what, Lord? I may have received this in my heart as true. I'm rejecting that right now. And I wanna know what your truth is. I want that to be, I want that to replace the first mention. And if maybe your first mention does fit into that, ask him to reinforce it. And so I just wanna pray over you guys. As I'm praying over you guys, I just wanna ask my leaders, you know, this is a topic and I get it. It can be uncomfortable. It's not necessarily that the one you wanna come to prayer for in the front right here. So here's what I want to do. Uh, as I'm praying over you guys, I want to encourage leaders to just go around the room on the edges of the walls. And, um, and I, want to, I want to open the altars for prayer. Um, if you've compromised in any way purity, Now that doesn't necessarily have to mean that you've had sex already. It could mean that you've believed the lens of shame. Or it could mean that you've believed the lens of perversion. Maybe you've had some, some, just some wrong thoughts. Whatever it is, whatever it is, I want to encourage you, find a leader around the room, talk with them, and pray with them. If you feel like you don't want to do that tonight, I want to encourage you to consider doing it in the future. That's part of the accountability thing. So let's close our eyes, and I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I want you to repeat after me. We're going to do something It's called denouncing, and I don't know that I've ever led that from this this stage, but we're gonna denounce other mindsets. And so just repeat after me, okay? Lord Jesus, let's let's say it together, guys. Lord Jesus, I denounce and I release every preconceived thought, every impure lens, any area of first mention that doesn't line up with your word. Jesus, I don't want that anymore. God, I want to see sexual purity the way you want me to see sexual purity. God, give me the grace to walk out a pure and pleasing life. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, guys, I'm going to pray over you guys. I want y'all to know, man, I, I love y'all. Um, no, I don't want anybody to leave here feeling ashamed of a decision they made. I want you to leave here feeling encouraged, and I want you to leave here with a new vision when it comes to this area. I don't want anybody to feel shame with this subject or to view it in a perverted way. It's a healthy thing. Amen? All right, guys, let me pray over you. And if you'd like prayer for anything, doesn't just have to be this message. It'll be anything. We'll be around the room. Find a leader along the walls, and we'd love to pray with you. For the rest of you, I love you guys. Um, Check out that marriage conference info, and don't forget about the Q&A. Lord Jesus, thank you so much, God. Thank you so much for what you've created in this room. Lord, over the last two years, it's been such a blessing to watch people grow together in community and friendship. God, listen, we don't take that for granted one bit, Lord, and we know that your hand has been so involved in all this. God, I just pray that you would just, you would just rebuke shame off of every person here. Let no one feel the shame that religion tries to throw on them when it comes to sexual purity. And God, let no one be influenced or have a perverted viewpoint from that lens of perversion that Satan would like to throw on them. God, deliver everybody from that. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would give us a fresh and healthy perspective tonight. And God, as everybody leaves, Lord, I pray that you would bless them. God, I pray that you would keep them and protect them. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Again, thanks for joining us. For more info on Fusion, you can check us out on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram.